service, say. Listening to Outside the Mic. My name is Jarrett Weimer. Good morning. I'm Martin Meyer. And this is a podcast where we banter all matters music. Mostly we do. Martine. Wow. Good morning. Good morning. Jarrett. How are thy? <laughs> I don't know. How are thou you? How are thou you? <laughs> thy finest of the colonieth. Well, we did almost uh, our most efficient job of getting right to the point of <laughs> introducing. That sounded good show. until was, I ran out of yeah. preemptive things to say. <laughs> are, you, are you awake now? I'm awake now. It's uh, these recordings at like the butt crack of dawn is. I can't say I'm getting used to it, but uh, it makes sense because my mind is clear. However, I'm functioning at half pace. M- M- Marty. Yeah, but, yeah. Hey, yeah. we're here, but we're oh. outside the mic. You good? Yeah, I got some coffee in me now. I think I'm good. You did mention you're a little uh, butt crack a dong. I like butt the way you refer to that. I'm just going to make sure today, because I listened to our last episode. Yes. And there's once in a while it happens where I kind of drift off. Not drift off, but you know how it is when you're talking to somebody and it happens. <laughs> you look like you're going to nod off right now. <laughs> you're talking to somebody and then your brain starts kicking in thinking of what you're gonna yeah and i'm like and you you hold the gaze but yet you're yeah. you're so far somewhere else yeah yeah when i listen and i haven't been listening to our episodes you haven't been listening to me when i tell a story well, would you let me just finish this please <laughs> <laughs> see now you're doing it i'm doing no. it <laughs> I'm kidding no but I, I i noticed that there are times when it's like oh jarrett said something and i didn't really respond because i was you know, not all the time. I'm usually pretty. My little cracks, my little one-liners. You're pretty, not picking them your up. Little butt cracks. <laughs> picking up my butt <laughs> crack. Picking them up as I'm laying it down. Ooh, it is kind of early. Not too early, but I did mention I had a kind of a tough time sleeping last night. That's right. How's everybody else sleeping? Outsiders. Outsiders, how are you sleeping? That might be a question on our next Facebook Live. We're considering starting an ASMR podcast where Marty and I just lull you into a slumber. Deeper than the blue ocean. Let's begin. I thought you were going to say we we're going to whisper in each other's ears. No, that's weird. What was the thing with ASMR again? It's something about your tickle somebody's yeah, ear. You're like or you... tickling their ears and if you, you can like touch the mic and stuff. And it's, yeah. I really don't think that's a thing. That is, that's a thing. <laughs> really Everybody who's listening right now no. goes, yes, I've, I've seen ASMR. <clears throat> Personally, he's a great guy. Oh, yeah, ASMR. <laughs> Yo, SMR, what's going on? They just call him ass for short. That's ass what I like sure. to do. <laughs> That's kind of a general term, but... Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. So, uh, this is what? Episode four for season three? I believe four or five or six. <laughs> five or six. We better wake up. Why don't you drink some more coffee? And then we'll get on there. Maybe we should just dive into that uh, today in music. History. This is a podcast where we banner most things music other than when we're bannering <laughs> things that have nothing to do with music. But yet people Mostly seem to enjoy do. that. <laughs> We've put out some surveys and I always include, mm-hmm. do you want us to shut up? And people say no, they like the banter. Okay. I would never shut up. I 
tried and it didn't work. So. You can try to shut me down, but I'll just get louder. I'm paying attention today, Jared. That's right, baby. I'm going to look All you right. in the eye. Today in music history, we're mm. talking March 29th, starting with March 29th, 1966. Rolling Stone Mick Jagger was injured during a gig in, help me out here, Marcellus, Marcius, Southern I France. I that. Mar- Marseille, I believe. Marseille, Southern France, after a fan threw a chair at the stage. Oh boy. Jagger required eight stitches in the cut. Okay. They don't say where the cut was, but it was in the cut. That re- First of all, how yes. come I knew it was going to be either the Rolling Stones or the Beatles <laughs> or Elvis Presley? We really have to start looking for some other ah, Beatles, you, you say. Well, March yeah. 29th, 1967, <laughs> oh, working at Abbey Road Studios, the Beatles finished recording Good Morning, Good Morning. They then started working on a new song with a little help from my friends, originally titled Bad Finger Boogie. Recording 10 takes of the rhythm track, then Ringo overdubbed a double-tracked lead vocal. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Do you know that song? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, see, we should listen to, to that, that today. Yes, I was wow, just saying, yeah, look at us. Second verse. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Right mm-hmm. on. Seriously. Let's find well, something you else. Know, you happen to know I'm going to... Well, that's a little bit of a foreshadowing for today. Hmm. So that's okay, even though every time we do these, it's the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Is there a reason I'm doing the Beatles? Oh, yeah, you did that on purpose. I did that on purpose. Everything is always planned and meticulous with you, isn't it, Jared? That's right. It's amazing. But you'll never see it come in March 29th, 1979. You're going to like this. coming out here. Do I have a booger? No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. It's it's happened to me before. I know, and that's how you know a good friend when they point out that you have something on your face, like food or a boogie. An even better friend will just grab it and just like yeah, chuck you it could, right off your face. You oh. could step your game up. But yeah, March twenty ninth, nineteen seventy nine. After attending a Dire Straits show during their residency at the Roxy in Los Angeles, Bob Dylan asked Mark Knopfler and drummer P- uh, P- Pick Withers. That's a kind of a. Strange name for a drummer. Pick Withers to play on the session for his next album. Slow Train Coming was the album. Recorded in music uh, Muscle Shoals in May of 1979 with Jerry Wexler producing. Dylan had first heard Dire Straits' Mark Knopfler when his assistant, Arthur Rosato, I don't know. Salton played in the Salton Swing. Played in the single Salton Swing. Yes, I do. Yeah, the Salton. So why is that a big deal in music history? He heard a drummer and asked him to this play. Isn't, and... This isn't what the big things that were happening. This is just today in music history. Okay. And ever, not everything has to be huge, Marty. But, huge. Well, you think about it. Why would somebody even, hey, look at here. Yeah, Bob asked that guy to drum for him. That's... <laughs> I don't even know who Stick Pick Withers is. Stick Pick? But I hope I didn't defend anybody. If it's Uncle Pick, then... Sorry, Uncle Pick. Sorry, Marty doesn't know who you are. Okay, it made it into music history here on OTM. That's right. What else made it into music history is March 29th, 1980. You know what's going to happen 10 years from now? What? Somebody's going to be doing a podcast, and they're going to say, Today in music history on Outside the Mic, they talked about Pick Withers. If only that were true. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. March 29th, 1980, Pink Floyd's The Dark Side of the Moon album spent its 303rd week, wow, on the U.S. album chart, beating the record set by Carole King's 1971 number one album, Tapestry. 
The album remained in the U.S. Billboard charts for 741 dis- discontinuous weeks. What does that mean? Discontinuous? Yeah. Well, that probably means that it was number one and then it fell down and then it went back to number one. There you go. So From it wasn't ni- 1973 to 1988. Discontinuous. Discontinuous. Discontinuous, but still there. Okay. Discontinuous. I'm not going to look that one up with Google. Don't bro. look that one up. Yeah. We'll Go get Google. Boy. Wow, this in 1980 is relevant. We will find today. Yes, as well. So you did that on purpose too, I'm sure. I Jared. did that on purpose. Here's our last Meticulous. one, and it's nobody we've talked about before on today in music history. March 29th, 2000. Jared. What? I didn't say anything. March 29th, 2000. Yeah. Phil Collins took out a high court action against two former members of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Collins claimed his company had overpaid the musicians by 50,000 euros, roughly $85,000, in royalties on tracks including Susudio and Easy Lover. Susudio. 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 He's an easy lover. She'd break my heart, but how do you do that? How do you overpay somebody? And then he did what? He actually filed a suit? So they were probably like, oh, these songs are going to be hits. You got to pay us this. And then they weren't as big as what they said. So he's like, you know what? No, I overpaid you guys because it didn't end up being as big of a hit. So give me some money back. No, you guys those, didn't uh, do your best. No, I'm sorry. Those were big hits. But they were they the biggest as well? well so maybe he thought the, they were going to be the, bigger. The, maybe they had a number, they were like a goal they were shooting for, uh, and they uh, didn't uh, make it. Uh, and so know, he was like, you know what, you guys? You didn't try your, your heart enough, your, your best. Crack. You didn't give me your best shot. You didn't fire away. You know what? I just looked it up, and that was for you. Like quoted him. Yeah, exactly. Right yeah. here. He said, "Big, big, and you guys you didn't do your best, yeah. and you didn't feel it coming in the air tonight." And so yeah. I just, you know what? Uh, Abacab. You know, you'll be in my heart. I'm gonna go grab always. a cab. Abacab. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm just gonna go grab a cab. Grab a cab. Is it any? Do you know what that means, Abacab? We talked about that once, I think. I don't think I do. I don't know what anything. Do means you know the song Abacab? No. By Genesis. No. So it was actually, you know how to map out a song, obviously, Jarrett. You're a songwriter. So it was maybe A, and then the B section, uh-huh. and then the A section again, right? And the C. That's Abacab. B. That's Abacab. That's why they call it. Oh, that. I know Abacab. Then I use Abacab. There you go. Like, I still find that I don't want to dwell on this, but it's like, wouldn't you just say? How do you do that? Do, wouldn't you just say to your accountants, you guys blew it. You paid these guys too much. Now he's got to go and that's almost worthy of digging into a little bit. Just because why would you have to take out a high court action against these guys? Because yeah. you overpaid them. Yeah. It wasn't their fault. Well. <laughs> Was it? Maybe they. But may Okay. So maybe that in that scenario, like, hey, guys, we screwed up. The accountant. It was supposed to be 5000 It was 50000 can you give me my money back? And they're like, no way, pal. Yeah, but even then, Sorry. it's like a done deal. I would understand if it was like the next day you're like, I put too many zeros on that check. Yeah. Can I, can you mind giving me that back and I'll make it right? But how many, how long ago, how happened? How the question that I want to know, I don't, I can't even like talk about auctioneer it. auctioneer all this. How many, how many, how many, how many, how many? So I think that should be your assignment. I'm going to give you a little assignment to uh, do a little research on that. Okay, thanks. Next time we'll hear more from Jared Weimer on the high action court case. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs>
But that's it for today in music. Oh, thank you. That's goodness. not more Beatles or Rolling Stones for that matter. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. I bet the writers at this uh, on this site, they just like the Beatles so much. But we make this comment every time. We They're do, probably yeah. in there because they did so much. Could be. They had such huge influence. So That's another assignment. Why don't you research oh, and find out why gosh. they're all... <laughs> yes, teacher. <laughs> I don't know. It is curious. And yes, maybe... Mrs. Johnson. Come on. There's a lot of history going on with big bands all the time. You know, why would it be... Is it? Is there a sponsor for that? Yeah, it's the Beatles. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about that more later. <laughs> we don't want to get too drugged down and that sort of thing. I think my coffee's starting to kick in. Is it? Mine's not. No? No. Yeah, you should drink some more then. So, Also, uh, to move along, because we always think, in fact, we talked about this maybe being a mini episode, but as soon as you said it, I figured, no, we're too long-winded to let that happen. Gone are the days when we can just do minis. Yeah. Remember our, what was it? Half hour? First it was a one? mini. Our first the one very was first just a, like a, it was a little over a half hour, I think. Wow. Yeah. And now we're like pushing the the three hour mark some days. <laughs> we haven't done that yet, but yeah. I bet we easily could. Glad you're still listening with our I think the last one was over an hour for sure. But I did want to mention that um based on reflecting back on our last episode where you talked about the uh, Brian Johnson show, A Life on the Road. Oh, yeah. I I am glad that my wife actually reminded me. She, My wife also listened to our last podcast. That's awesome. And then we were getting ready to uh, hit the sack one night. And she said, oh, we should watch that uh, Brian Johnson show that Jared talked about. And I said, that's a really good idea. Let's watch it. She she wanted to watch the episode I talked about? Yeah, Jared, the one you talked about. Oh, wow. She said it had nothing me? to do with Jared, just the fact that, you know, it was kind of... Well, it sounds like it had everything to do with me. Like that, <laughs> that was the main part she listened to. So, okay, we watched it, and I fell asleep. No. I really, really enjoyed it, and I want to watch more of them. And Isn't that a great show? Check it out on YouTube, everybody. It's What's this day? On the Road? Life, life on the Road? Life, a Life on the Road. Brian Johnson? Brian Johnson. I like his little... Um, graphic that comes in between where it looks like an anvil case or yeah, something too and it totally. pops up yeah it's pretty cool and it, you so you've watched it now you watched the episode dave Grohl isn't he just the coolest i i've always had a ton of respect everything i've ever seen that you know shows his uh a clip from him um i like i wasn't a huge huge foo fighters from the perspective of like buying i didn't buy a bunch of foo fighter stuff but i have enjoyed their stuff it's a little it's always really really edgy sure enough really yeah. really kind of follows in the vein of of what he was doing in nirvana i think a little yeah bit. but you know what so. i feel like he did such a great job like yeah you can definitely feel hints and stuff and and such through song through different songs uh-huh but i mean he didn't he didn't definely copy any aspect of nirvana like you know the foos they have their sound. Why are you laughing at me? I'm, I can't get my words out, but I'm doing them the best I can. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I had a piece of chocolate here. So yeah, I'm he's freaking it. eating, folks. Look at this guy. I've never here. heard it put that way. Definely. Definely? Definely. I'm doing I'm the George sure. Bush thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Nuclear. I'm going to look. <laughs> We've got nu- definely nuclear. Nuclear. <laughs> nuclear. I think nu- it was nuclear. Nu- I can't even he say He never definely, yes, with with Nirvana. I'm sorry. He didn't, basically, he didn't, he didn't take an element and continue it. He started a brand new thing. And right. we talked about this the other day. It's like, it's hard enough having your first shot, right? 
Yeah. I can't even say I experienced it. Right. But to to have a shot in fame and a successful band. Yeah. Then to go through a drastic, what do you want to call it, misfortune that yeah. they did with Kurt's passing. Yeah. And then to come back a second time and do it as good or better. Right. You know what I mean? Like not who else did that? Hootie? Uh, what's his name? I know you're going to laugh, but Darius Rucker. Hootie. He did the Hootie and the Blowfish, and then now he's doing the country And then thing. he did Darius Rucker. Well, that's a good point. But um, Who else has done that? Can we can we think real fast? Uh, who else might have had a... They switched gears or well, they... Well, you mentioned in, in one way ACDC did it when they replaced somebody. Okay, yeah. Went, which, by the way, when I did... I, I didn't listen to the whole episode, but I listened to parts of it, and I realized how folks... You were sharp enough to realize right away that that was not Bon Scott. Oh, on the, on the um, recording that you were playing? Yeah, yeah. when I listened back on it, I think I was so excited by the fact... You wanted it to be. So, yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, this is cool, and it's got a million. This must be him. But And you can tell as we're listening, as I reflect, I'm kind of like, yeah, you're probably right. It, and when I listened back, I definitely was not Bon Scott. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the voice... I mean, there were some, some hints of Bon Scott in there, but it wasn't him. But what gave it away was, for me was the guitar. Yeah, Angus yeah. wasn't the fastest player, but he had crazy awesome blues rock riffs. Mm-hmm. So as soon as that the, whoever was playing the guitar came out and they were just shredding, mm-hmm. he could shred. Don't get me wrong, but they were they were almost sweet picking, you know, just going super fast. And I thought, nah, that's not Angus. He stuck to more of the no, minor were, pentatonic thing. Well, you, know? you were you were right, but then also when I listened to that, that's something that I was thinking too. Is he did do. A lot of these little really quick motif things oh, to start like I can't say that he wasn't a fast player. Well, yeah, you look at Thunderstruck. Yeah, you know that's you know, that's hard enough to play. Yeah, but I guess it's just a style thing. You know yeah. Angus's style. Like uh-huh. he's a great lead player, but he's it's his he's got his thing down. Yeah, you know everybody tries to be really fast. I don't think mm. he paid too much attention to that. I think it was more about stylistically and taste and that sounded more like a straightforward like this is a rock cover band and this is somebody so yeah you were right and and i was was right you were wrong yeah that's the point thank you but as far as thinking of somebody else i'm sure if we address that later we probably what i was gonna say is that if you look at that situation it would be hard it would be easy to say wow i was in nirvana kurt died but on the other hand you know if you do obviously he got into music because he had a passion for music. Right. Once you get over that, if you still have that passion, if that just doesn't extinguish that, which it it probably shouldn't, you're still young. Right. You do have a foot in the door already. Sure enough. Because you've been in a band. So I'm sure he could take something and he knew lots of people. It's like, here's my new group. Here's the songs. Right. Get a deal and boom. Well, and how how reliant do you you become on having the safety net of having the different elements of a band you know when you're playing with a band it's like it's like the situation when you you go forever playing with a band and then you do a show by yourself or just a Mm -hmm. solo thing and you're like oh my gosh yeah this is so much harder because it's just me up here you know it's all me i can't you know i don't i can't just depend on the rhythm. I can't depend on all the sound that I can cover up my mistakes. Like it's all me. Well, so in the same aspect, it's like, what do I do now? Well, he had a band, though, right? No, remember he? Well, and I, I think we talked re- about this. Recording he, it, he, he didn't it get the own. band until after he had recorded the first Foo's album, yeah, and then went and found the band after. So he didn't even 
right. know if it was going to be a thing that lasted forever. And I think I remember reading an interview where he said, none of us thought this was going to go as far as it did. Well, sure. We had fun with it, but we didn't think it was going to yeah. be as big. But before he actually toured, obviously he wasn't doing that. He was writing and he was in the studio by himself. Yeah. So that would be kind of hard. You don't have the interaction, but... Uh, totally. But he could pull it off. Anyway, yeah, I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's just a very engaging, very fun... Very nice um, guy. Obviously very talented person as well. I like the part, and now, because <clears throat> you and I had just mentioned that briefly the other day, I talked about where he broke his leg or he broke oh, his ankle yes, or something. we've talked about this. Tripped yes. off the stage. I hadn't seen it, and they showed it later in that show on A Life on the Road where he tripped over a mic cord, and then he thought, oh, I can just do this. I can jump, which reminds me of the story I told you about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not to first, I'll finish the Dave Grohl story. But what's so fascinating is then he jumps down. You can see on camera he tries to get back up and he can't. Ugh. And then he says, "I think I broke my I leg." I think I broke my leg. Yeah. He says. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't remember though that he actually finished the show with some medic holding his ankle to Isn't make sure that it's staying. nuts. That's crazy. I mean that. That's, really that's how you know. Yeah. And I feel like I was just talking about this with somebody, but. The countless times, and and I and I can't say a word because I don't, you know, I've never played in front of thousands of people, so I don't know the pressure. But you, you, day of the show, how many countless stories have we heard where big, you know, rock stars they either are showing up late to the gig, so you've got thousands of people waiting. They've paid their hard-earned money, and then they oh, cancel yeah. the gig or whatever. Yeah, you can't say that about Dave Grohl. I mean, he broke yeah. his freaking leg and still continued to play the show. So. Yeah. And you could tell when he was talking about it. It was important to him. Yeah, he said uh, there was just, there was no way in his mind, uh, you know, if he could possibly go on, he was going to do it. Yeah. Because he's been, that's the kind of person he is. That's what you really appreciate about, about Dave Grohl. I remember going to the Greek theater and I loved, I had already seen Yes, and it was the 90125 um, lineup with uh, Trevor Rabin. Hmm. And, you know, John Anderson, but they were amazing. And I'd already seen them a couple of times, but then I was going to go see them at the Greek. And we, we didn't even know because you didn't have cell phones back then either. So you show up and it's like, no, somebody's sick. Oh, yeah. And, and you uh, travel all that way. Right. That's yeah. exact. That's the exact. I'm thing. not even sure we ever got our money back or if maybe oh we gosh. were going to pay for tickets. I don't remember what happened, but it was, it was definitely a disappointment. So I, I still, you know, love and appreciate. Yes, but I can. Uh, you really appreciate somebody like him who's going to put in that extra effort. And Well, it's just like that Elton John show that we went and watched. He came to South Dakota, and that night he sang, I thought, remarkably, and then to come to find out, yeah, c- come to find out. Come to, that, find, come to find come out. To, come to find that little thing out. He finally sang. <laughs> he had bronchitis. Yeah. Remember that? And he mentioned that later oh, on, and I was man. blown away because I... Didn't think it sounded like he had no. Bronchitis. He sounded no. fine, and whether you know they could have dubbed in some tracks or something, but that's I mean that just shows the dedication and the work ethic with some of these guys. Well, you know what? Hmm. So that's I probably told this story before. I don't even told it last time, but <laughs> really quickly, we were playing a prom in Wolf Point, Montana, really high stage that hmm. they had the band on in like their you know whatever their typical cafeteria stage uh, sure. area in high school. Yeah, it was probably at least five feet up that stage and 
I decide because I'd get all fired up when I was, especially when I wasn't playing the keys and I was just singing a song and I was yeah. the front man and I'd kick my leg up and do all this stuff. I decided it'd be fun to jump off the stage. Ooh. And while I was doing that, not do a flip or anything, but I was twisting um, sideways. And so I'm twisting in the air and I hit the wood parquet floor, whatever it is, my right ankle the shoe just stuck and my body kept twisting. Oh no. And I, it was a sprain. I didn't break anything, fortunately, but it was the worst sprain I've ever had. And I, I continued the gig. I'm like, there's no way I can quit now. But I played in such intense pain (laughs) for the rest of that gig. And I remember driving home that night and I was just like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? This hurts so bad. And it was purple and huge and swollen. So they say a sprain is, is hurts worse than a break. Yeah. Yeah. It can be. And it can take longer to heal than a break sometimes. I've never had that. I fell into the drum set once, uh, but, but that everything was there to kind of catch me. And Mm -hmm. so and my buddy Skip, I think, kind of like pushed me back up because I just took too many steps back and hit the cymbal, you know? <laughs> so that's my... That's, I don't want to make a career out of falling on stage for no, sure. No, I guess anybody who's... Well, that that can happen. Anybody who's been performing live, there's the potential to do that. Fall down. Fall down and you get back up. So anyway, Fall I was impressed with that. I enjoyed the show. Thank you for that tip. I want to watch the one with Sting. Mm-hmm. Now Isn't that going to be good? Well. Yeah. God, my ankle hurts just thinking about it. Oh, no. <laughs> You're having no, sympathy pain yeah. for your youth. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Feeling awake? I'm awake now, and I think I'm ready. You're ready for what? Well... I don't have to. I don't have to do the story today. Yeah, you're kind of liking that, aren't I'm you? I'm kind of liking this. I get to be the uh, reactor, and you get to be the the narrative of the of today. Well, not that I, <clears throat> you know, we talked about the due diligence, which I still would have loved to, folks. Just so you know, outsiders, I think Jarrett and I are both um, into this enough where if we actually had the opportunity. I would I would do this every day. Every I would day. I would Absolutely. come in and I would yeah and do some music too, but just dig into these stories. And so we're making uh, making every effort to uh, discover as much as we can between shows. I just happen to be in Lowe's. Not a, not that I want to plug Lowe's because mm. they kind of they're a corporate sponsor for us. Well, and there there's something about you know I like customer service, and once in a while I don't. I'm not going to slam them either, but I wouldn't say that I get the best customer service. I was in there, and they had their tools yeah. um, all locked up on this little chain thing. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm looking for somebody. I want to buy something. I found what I wanted to buy. I needed to get this air hammer, and it, it's like pulling teeth to try to get somebody to unlock this to tool. Unlock, so I, you're like, I'm, I'm come, I've come in to buy this, yeah. and they're just, you're just not getting it. Yeah, they're like, oh, you know, so-and-so is on a break, and this is his area, and I'll be... Oh now, like, can God. somebody else come and unlock this tool so I can buy it? So while I'm waiting, and I went to their, whatever, their pro desk, and this gal said she sent somebody over, but it was kind of neat. I happened to notice on the shelf there was this Life issue of Life magazine. It's called Remembering John Lennon 40 Years Later. Oh, and I thought it was uh, interesting because I guess back it, somewhere in my mind, it didn't feel like it was exactly 40 years later. And then I looked, it was actually 40 years, December 8th of last year in 2020. So it says this is an updated reissue. Oh, wow. So it's been 40 plus. It'll be going on 41 years this year. 
And, you know, I we've talked about the Beatles before in this day in music history. <laughs> a, t- a time or two we've talked yeah. about the Beatles. We have, but I was fascinated, so I decided, I picked it up and started reading, and then I bought it. And I was not, and when I was young, it was, you know, not to be redundant, but I, growing up, I wasn't hugely into the Beatles. I couldn't help but listen to their music. But the older I got and the more I got into music and songwriting, I became more and more interested in the Beatles and realized what incredible songwriters they were. And I've covered songs by John Lennon and, and Paul McCartney as well. There's always been that thing, like some people say, oh, no, John was better, Paul's better, or just John's fault, or it's Paul's fault. Either way, it was nice to know that they had actually made amends before before John was taken too early. And so that's good. Paul had mentioned that, that he was relieved that they had patched things up. But anyway, it's it's a pretty fascinating thing. It's from the perspective of the people who photographed John Lennon. There's like five different photographers um, all of whom just describe him as one of the most likable, warm people that they'd ever met. That's definitely how he came off, too, in the public. Yeah, and I think I had mentioned that, too. I think some people who didn't, maybe weren't part of their early career, had a little bit more of a jaded perspective or interpretation because maybe he had more of that with the press later. Mm-hmm. And But as usual... For me, one of the things that I found fascinating was the circumstances around his assassination, in his sense. He was murdered, and not that I feel like that, you know, is the most... I don't know. There's just something about it that's intriguing. Right. And you, I think you it's kind of like death and stuff. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think people would be interested too, but I never heard a lot about it was yeah. Mark David Chapman yeah. who shot him, um, fired his gun five times, hit him four times. And who was he though? I mean, was he anything special or where did he come from? Well, and this is the interesting thing about it. When I, I took a little time to start looking into it and they touch upon it a little bit in the magazine, um, in the article. Each uh, photographer gives sort of his perspective on how he became their photographer, his relationship, and then throughout they give comments um, from the photographers as well. So they touch upon it briefly, but I think what's maybe happened, and in a sense that's good, is that he had such a huge fan base, yeah. you know, so many people that were influenced by John Lennon. And they, they talked about one of the doctors, I looked at a documentary and they, they talked about how it's, um, exactly what somebody like Mark David Chapman would like to see is that he becomes sort of immortalized yeah. through this because that's right. what he was seeking. I mean, he was obviously, you know, diagnosed as being delusional, um, uh, impulsive, careless, immature, anxious, angry, vulnerable, psychotic, um, all of these things. And I don't think there has been a lot of attention. Obviously, you can find a lot of information out about him, but I almost think that maybe there was an intent from people to not give him the intention, attention that, you know, maybe he was hoping to get. Right. Uh, there is a couple movies. I haven't watched them. <clears throat> One of them, you know who Jared Leto is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, apparently he goes through this massive transformation in this movie and puts on like 65 pounds to play Mark David Chapman. But I didn't watch either of the movies. There are books that have been written. There are movies. But basically, Mark David Chapman was a guy that uh, was uh, pissed off about the comment. Have you ever heard in the interview where he said the the Beatles are more popular than Jesus Christ? 
Oh, who said this? Lennon. John Lennon said, I think yeah. I, yeah, I think I do remember something about that. So that's, he got pissed by that. The Mark guy got pissed by that. Yeah. That's one of the things that he references when, uh, in interviews that he's done, he actually had a list of people and I don't know who all of them are. I think Elizabeth Taylor was one. Johnny Carson was one. No, oh, wow. John Lennon wasn't the only person that he was pissed off at. Um, but that's the one who we ended up targeting. Jeez. So, yeah, but he he mentions that. And it's interesting if you look at this because even John Lennon, I'll just mention something from the article actually too. He obviously regretted saying that. And it was a more, he has explained himself, but it created such a fury at the time. It sounds like it just was like a passing remark. It wasn't meant to be a defining yeah. moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think for him, it was just kind of like flipping and he was addressing not not directly them, but the hysteria of the Beatles. And that's yeah. kind of what he was talking about, how this is so crazy. It's gotten so insane that we're more, are the Beatles are more popular than Jesus Christ. So it said uh, in 1966, uh, when Lennon's were more popular than Jesus Christ interview was published in America, all hell broke loose. I found out John would be giving a press conference in Chicago. After his public apology, I found him in his hotel room, smoking almost in tears, why couldn't I keep my big mouth shut? In 1980, when I heard that John had been shot, I was stunned like everyone else. Uh, so I think, essentially, and this, when you... This was from the perspective of, of the photographer, right? Yes, exactly, okay. Okay. exactly. But that's essentially what got him killed. That was, was the a, Jesus a big, Christ. Yeah, that was oh, a big wow. trigger. Uh, Mark David Chapman also mentioned that he thought he was a hypocrite he didn't like the song Imagine because he talks about in what? there. Yeah. That's it, my, that's, I love that song. It's a I great love it song. too. And he, from his perspective, it was like, well, he's a hypocrite because he's singing about peace and, you know, being giving. And yet he didn't see him giving all his money away. And oh, so he's like, one of those guys. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. So he was obviously messed up yeah. in a lot of ways. And here's something that was really, I uh, just found looking at this, some little tidbits that I thought were super intriguing. He met John Lennon that day. And, and outsiders, if there's somebody who's uh, really been, you know, uh, who knows? Maybe there's somebody out there who's such a huge fan that they know all of this stuff about. I'd love to yeah. have people share something more if they know something. But um Lennon met Chapman the day he was murdered, earlier in the day. What? So, yeah, he was actually hanging out. It was called the Dakota, the apartment building they lived in, and they would walk Yoko and John, yeah. and a lot of people would just kind of hang out, and that's the way it was. They knew where John lived, and they'd meet him and walk up to him. And so Mark David Chapman saw him, and some other fans said, go on, this is your chance. He wanted to meet him. So he went up to him, and he had his album, and he asked him for an autograph. And he comments <laughs> how, you know, Lennon was very open, kind to him. You know, he took it, he signed it. And he actually asked him afterwards, he's like, okay, is there anything else or whatever? Mark David Chapman took that as a, oh, that's like a premonition. He knew that somehow that I was going to be the person that was going to take his life. What? Because he said, is there anything else? Which is kind of silly because he's probably getting ready to go. And he's like, okay, there you go. Is there you know, anything else? I'm going to. And you know what? That, the car, so. that, is, that never happens when you meet a celebrity to 
per se. Yeah. You know, I've met a, f- a few and it's more, you get, you get a quick opportunity to say hi and I'm a big fan, whatever. And then they got to go. So yeah. the fact that he's, he concluded with anything, anything else I can do for you. That's, mm-hmm. that's huge. I mean, that shows John's character. He was a, just yeah. a typical dude. You yeah. Know? That's kind of the more the way I would <clears throat> interpret it on a, on an interview with. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think, oh, he wants me to kill him. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, he knows there's more here. Well, he knows I'm special. Yeah, he knows I'm special. How about this, too? You just met somebody who graciously, took you know, instead of just brushing you off, took the time, gave you an autograph, you know, was kind enough to do that. And yet you still have within you the the ability to go back later in the day and shoot this guy four times in the back. It's just it's astonishing. And, and, and it, you know, goes to show you that indicates you the type of mind you would think that you're dealing with so if he already was was mad and upset at john lennon for what he said about being compared to jesus christ you would think that that meeting and how nice john was you think that would have possibly changed his course changed yeah. his mind like oh he was really nice to me today mm-hmm. uh, maybe i need to rethink this that's what a tip that's what a normal well first what of all a normal yeah, person wouldn't even be in the boat to be like i'm gonna go shoot this dude exactly but let's exactly. say he had an ounce of of moral he had a soul okay yeah. let's just put it that for for lack of a better term yeah he then would have had another another opportunity to go you know what he's nice maybe i've got this wrong he was nice to me today i'm gonna i'm gonna switch my game yeah. here or something you know yeah yeah yeah, that it's it's so hard to wrap your. I think that's why I become fascinated because it's so hard to even wrap your brain around, you know, getting in the mind of a sociopath, right? Who would be able to do that in the but first? But that's place. it right there. It's the psychotic part of it that just blocks mm-hmm. all reasoning. It yeah. blocks all normal normal thinking of this is right and this is wrong. It skews all of that. So he he was couldn't. Yeah, and not to discredit the the bad thing that he did, but. From what I understand, the mind just doesn't think that way when it has no when it has a block like that. No, there's no empathy. That's the word. Right. That's why you would be diagnosed. You know, from a psychotic, yeah, psychiatric perspective, as somebody who is delusional, (laughs) psychotic. He had gone to New York prior on a trip, and his wife, who lived in Hawaii, Gloria, talked about him being this great guy when they met and then he became distant and he was even abusive. I think even physically abusive at times, but he actually came back, told her he had gone to New York to kill John Lennon. Oh my gosh. So his wife hears this from him and a lot of people blamed her later that why didn't you go to the of police? Of course they did. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. When you're in that, <clears throat> when your significant other who at this point you had no ideas and saying, mm-hmm. you, you tend to, the first thing is to how can I help them or yeah. not? I better turn them in. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's like the, the yeah. abusive spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, how many how many situations like that where they stay in it far too long because uh-huh. they're like, no, I love them. They're my husband. They're my wife. They're my whatever. They didn't mean it or whatever. They're going through a hard time, whatever it might be. But really, no, call the cops. Yeah, do the right thing. No, and instead they continue to yeah expose herself to yeah. that that abuse or whatever it is, and obviously there'd be a little bit of denial. Yeah, I mean you'd have to imagine it's like oh did he really just say yeah nah he wouldn't do that he's right. not going to kill somebody and I better put this disclaimer in before we move on I'm not condoning someone 
and and shaming them for staying in a bad situation. Oh, of course, uh, from an abusive. Yeah. But I, you know, what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. when you when you have a gut feeling, trust that gut feeling yeah. about somebody because yeah. nine times out of ten, it's probably correct. You know. Well, and you have to. And, and one part of me, just like I, I appreciate what you're saying, because there's one part of you that says, you know, the forgiveness is a good thing. Forgiveness is Dude, a good. Thing, I mean, yes. in your relationship, you want to forgive, you want to go on, but. Obviously, looking back, she probably even had second thoughts like, wow, maybe I should have done something because then he heads out to New York again. I guess he even showed her the gun. Oh, wow. The first time. It's like, wow, he actually went, he got a gun. And then you think, no, there's no way he's capable of doing this. Could you imagine that? That might be the point that I go, what are you doing? Yeah. This is, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm calling somebody. This is not okay. You have a gun now. Yeah, you actually bought a gun. This, I, this, this went from you just venting and, and talking out of your butt to now you have a gun. <laughs> Talk it out of your butt. Well, and then she knows he's heading back to New York. Ugh. And then can you imagine? So you have that conversation. You know he's going back to New York. She said she was watching Little House on the Prairie. Oh my God. And the news flash came across the bottom of the screen oh. that John Lennon had been shot. Could I you, bet her heart just oh. hit the back of her throat, dude. Could you imagine? Oh, my gosh. You know, and I hate to say it, but there's almost a little bit of... And maybe it's has to do with, like we said, you're married to this guy. You become, you know, in a marriage and in a relationship like that when you feel like you're committed to it. Yeah. It's almost in an interview later, she made a comment, which I thought that's a little bit disturbing, too. And I don't want to this isn't about, you know, judging her or whatever. But she said she made the comment. I, you know, although I'm really sorry and I'm sorry for his family and this and that. She goes and this wasn't that long after the murder. She said. I just feel like there's something good that's going to come out of this. She's insane. Yeah, that there, you, there's the new there's the new spin I have. She goes, she's yeah, just she's as crazy just, as he is. They're meant for each other. Well, there's still she's still married to him oh, to this day. Oh, there you go. And, um, and there we have it, yeah. folks. The truth is in the freaking deceiving. Well, and I'm all about being like a um, Pollyanna type person, and that's good. But it's like to say that that quickly afterwards that something good is going to come about. It's it's a different thing if. And not to, you know, again, it's like, well, you can't idolize people and create them as some kind of a god. But you have somebody here who has made a monster impact on music and still has a lot left. And when somebody takes that away, of course, the world is really going to And has to taken that, so. a stance of peace. Yes. Now, if yes. he was some musician using his platform as a political, and I mean, maybe he did at mm-hmm. times. But was just being a total, you know, how some musicians, they they view it as this is my chance to get my opinions out there. Yeah. From what I know, when you when I think John Lennon, I think peace. I think a, a hippie dude that just wrote some, he was a phenomenal songwriter, but yeah. just wanted peace for the world. That's what yeah. I know of John Lennon. So yeah. I want to go shoot him. Ugh. Yeah, a big activist. And he would be the first to admit he was not a, a perfect human being. Nobody's perfect. And, that's, the, yeah. that's the whole point of why we're here. Nobody's perfect. You know, we all got to live under this sun. Let's just get along. We do. We do. And and uh, let me talk to this. What's his name? Mark. Get <laughs> Mark his wife Dave on Javin. the phone. I want to talk to yeah, him first. Gotta, well, there's several interviews. You can start looking at that. But the things that I looked at were some interviews with him. And then there was a couple of, there was a really interesting one about, uh, it was basically a guy who is a psychotherapist or a licensed, you know, psychiatrist, doctor of uh, 
psychiatric medicine, whatever you want. I don't know what the degree is. He was appropriately exactly. educated too. He was to appropriately educated. <laughs> and he does YouTube videos. And on this one, he said, I'm going to analyze with all the data and all of the information that I can find, Mark David Chapman. Oh, wow. And one of the things that they found interesting at the time, he did plead guilty. Now, his attorneys said, no, you shouldn't plead uh, not guilty based on insanity. Be, yeah, claim insanity. Right? Yeah, and this doctor was saying he probably should have because he definitely could have been diagnosed and should have perhaps been diagnosed yes. as being insane, delusional, Some psychotic. sort of yeah. Yeah, cognitive issue there, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and he brought up some examples. He studied his life, and apparently, and this is the part where you kind of, it tugs your heart a little bit, Again, had kind of a screwed up childhood. His dad wasn't present, all yes. of that stuff. But. And that's usually what it stems from. You yeah. know, my yeah. argument is always you have a choice and bad things happen to everybody depending on the level. But you do have you have some sort of controlled choice of mm-hmm. you can either say that's going to consume me or I'm going to rise above and I'm going to yeah. show the world that I'm better than that, than what happened to me, than what I experienced. I'm yeah. better than that. Yeah. Something and whether it's just at where they're at in their, you know, whatever their soul's journey is, where some people just crack and some people don't. Some people have the wherewithal yeah. to go beyond. And who knows exactly everything that happens? Who knows how intense that might have been if there was abuse right. or whatever? But he apparently, when he was young, talked to little people that he said lived in the walls. So there's a, there's an, of course, of course he, he did. There's an indication. In the walls. And I thought it was interesting that later the little people didn't go away, but they evolved into um, where he was, <laughs> I guess this was disclosed through interviews or uh, through, I don't know, prison doctors or whatever. He was the president of these little people and they were on committees, <laughs> like they were Congress he was or the something. President so, yeah. Of the li- yeah. <laughs> I mean, just analyze that for a second. He's, yeah. Now he's he's in charge of the little people that live in the walls. I mean, he, this means he's spent a lot of time with these little people in the walls. That's what that means. Yeah, and, and who knows? He's probably still talking to them oh, to no. this day. They all moved to his prison cell with him, the little people. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've, you know, obviously that gives you enough, sheds enough light on what kind of person he was that helped me to sort of realize it's yeah. like, yeah, this is why he was capable of doing. He said sure. he, he was always de- depressed, felt he was not respected. No one cared about him. Uh, you know, delusional, wanted that attention. Um, there, there was a there was a clear issue of some sort of cognitive behavioral yeah. issue, you know, whatever, disease, diagnosis, whatever. There's sometimes they, they claim insanity and you're like, no, you just went off somebody, dude. Yeah. This I think is a clear, he just didn't. And if, you know, if he had the proper resources, maybe, you know, whenever at a younger age had the proper resources, this may never have happened. Right. That's probably avoidable. Right. And if it, and, and since he did not, if it didn't happen that day, there was a very good chance it was going to happen to somebody else. If not when some somebody else. In time. Yep. Yeah. And, and like you said, some people don't get away with an insanity plea. Mm-hmm. They get diagnosed. But this guy was kind of surprised and he had said, he's, he's like, no, I don't, I'm not going to plead not guilty. That was the one thing I guess that sort of you could maybe give him a little credit for. He just said, I did it. I take responsibility. I'm guilty. But and did, that's the way he was going to look at it. Also, um, is that just he wanted the fame from it, though? It could is be. that that thing? No, I did do this. I want to be credited for the one that killed Lennon. 
you know? Yeah. Well, uh, I think you're probably on track with that. Uh, one of the photographers, Harry Benson, was actually hired later to photograph Mark David Chapman. He said it was arranged, then it was gone much later in 1987, it was arranged that I would take pictures of Mark David Chapman for a magazine article. It was in Attica, and I have to look that up. Does Attica, am I thinking of, is that the one that was on the island? No, that's Guantanamo Bay or something. No, there's... Ah, Alcatraz. Uh, Alcatraz. That's what I'm thinking of. So Attica probably still exists. A grim old prison. The editor told Chapman of my history with the Beatles. So Chapman touching my arm, he said, I want to apologize to you for killing your friend. But then when I was photographing him, the last thing he did was put a finger to his temple like he was holding a revolver. All in all, thinking back, it seemed like one incredible hour with a madman. Yeah, so well, there the you go. He's, look at he's posing. The... Yeah, he wants the credit. Look at him. Yeah. We're looking at a photo of him with the, putting the his finger to his head. Yeah, that, that Harry Benson took. And, if you know, he was there for an hour, and he basically said he felt like he was with a madman. So that's – and you get that looking at these interviews that there's just something underlying. And he is not – he's been denied parole. Sure. He comes up for parole again in, in 22, and I don't think he's ever – and I don't think he should because they also say – He's, there's a lot of people that would probably, Somewhat, he would be yes. in danger and then he could potentially endanger. He wouldn't last long. Else. He's probably safer in there. Yeah. People are still mad. I'm sure about this. So. Oh yes. And, and I'm mad about and feel this. like somebody, I'm mad about it. You feel like, <laughs> could you imagine, I mean, 40 years of music still. Oh my uh, gosh. Imagine, imagine what imagine he could have done. What are you gonna, <laughs> that's kind of with anybody, Stevie Ray. Anytime you lose somebody, oh, I think that's Stevie. why, especially somebody who really, really, and obviously there's a lot of people who really do appreciate music and feel like, wow. Especially with the technology robbed, that we know? have these days around oh, mu- music and, and how yeah. it's made. Imagine yeah. the, the, really there's no, yeah, there's, we're all about imagining. Yeah. There's no boundaries anymore with what you can do with music yeah. and with a creative mind Tonight, like Lennon. I'll be in a cow's... <laughs> Excuse me. Well, hello there. <laughs> Remember how I thought I told you earlier I was going to really focus on my ears? Yeah, he's over here watching Netflix, man. <laughs> no, you go ahead. I'm trying to cue something up No, no, so just basically it's like... Uh, that's something that always crosses my mind. And you mentioned Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, anybody in the 27 Club, sure. Yeah. Uh, John Lennon. People that uh, were on the path of just pioneering a new avenue of music with their sound, with their, you know, imagine what they could have done today. Like I said, with, with without the limitation of having to record analog all the time, now we have digital would would Lennon be doing some dubstep stuff right now? I don't know. You know, would he have morphed with the times? I don't know. Would Stevie still be the greatest, one of the greatest blues players? I don't know. Well, but I wish yeah. we could have found out. I wish, I, there was I wish we had had access into an alternate universe where these guys were still around, and it was like, what if he had a freaking number one hit right now? And Lennon was like, you know, freaking, he would have been on the Mount Rushmore of musicians at this point. Well, you do know? you know how old he would be today? Well, he'd be in his his seventies. He'd be eighty. He'd be eighty. He'd be eighty yeah, he could years still, old. Oh yeah, he could still yeah. be doing. Look at look at Bob Dylan. Look at uh, Willie Nelson. He could still be doing something. Well, exactly. 
Uh, and who knows? I mean, maybe he took years off. Maybe he would have got burned out. Well, I'm he sure we would have some books. He could have done, you know, oh, he, we which had he wrote some books, sort of, by the way. Did you know that? Oh, uh, there you go. We yeah. could have had some sort of outlet that we yeah. would have been able to experience with his creative mind in today's time. Well, and you know, that's a great point. And then on a lighter note, now that we've gone into this deep, dark side of, of what happened in the sort of helped to maybe shed some light if you weren't aware. And I wasn't. I knew I knew about The Catcher in the Rye. Was sure. Have you ever heard about that? No. So I'm, I'm really going to sound dumb because I can't think of the author. But the book, The Catcher in the Rye, was sort of his manifesto, Mark David Chapman. But he, after shooting him, he just sat there and started reading The Catcher in the Rye. And later he said, my statement, and put a note in the book, he had signed it. Uh, the character in the book is Holden Caulfield. And it, basically the book, I guess, it's about addressing people who you think are phonies. And so he thought John Lennon was a phony. So he became obsessed yeah. with this book. He said he signed it to Holden Caulfield from Holden Caulfield. So this is how delusional he was as well. Um, and you you pinned it, the word obsession. Yeah. That's a common trait with a lot of these guys. They obsess over some something. Yeah. Some sometimes it's a historic thing, uh, but they obsess over something. I feel like that is a common trait amongst yeah. serial killers and murderers. They obsess over something. Well, and in one of the interviews, he, he essentially even admitted that that he said he became he got lost in that book to the point where he didn't know who he was or who this character was anymore. But sure. um, I don't know what made me think of that. Oh, just to, you know, on a lighter note, like you said, sort of Such shedding light on who this guy was. I knew about the story about the catcher in the rye, and I knew that he, I think I knew that he shot him in the back. I didn't know that he met him early. I also didn't know, and this is kind of like maybe we transition to a lighter part of the show, but have you ever heard James Taylor actually ran into Mark David Chapman the day before? The no way. Well? Yeah, I was watching and saw him on an interview with Howard Stern, and Howard had heard about this, and apparently James Taylor. Where are we at now, as far as time? We're good. I'm interested. Keep okay. going. Okay, so James Taylor <laughs> was on the subway. James Taylor lived in an apartment that was, I, I think, just down the street. I forget what it was called, but the the apartment that John and Yoko lived in was called the Dakota. And so James was friends with John. They had he had been over to their apartment. He was on the subway. And of course, at the time, he didn't know this was Mark David Chapman, obviously, because okay. nobody knew who he was. But this person, he said, was he called it um, freak spew. Freak spew. He said that's what they would refer to sometimes if you run into somebody who's just like babbling, sort of saying all these things. And he said mm. he was he came up to him and he sort of uh, aggressively approached him. And oh, he geez. said he looked like he hadn't been sleeping in a day. And he was talking about and throwing all these names out. And I'm going to do this and that. And. And uh, and then he sort of extricated himself because this is obviously not the kind of person you want to be engaged with. Or, on, a, on a freaking subway. Yeah, on York. a subway. Yeah. And so Howard said, well, did he say anything about John Lennon? And he said, you know, my memory of it is that he might have mentioned him or that I need to get him something or whatever. He obviously didn't say I'm going to. I'm going to go shoot John Lennon, him, yeah. but he does kind of remember that he probably mentioned his name and other names that he threw out. So eventually he was able to extricate himself. The next day he was on the phone. Let's see if I get this right. And it was uh, Peter Asher, who is a, a big producer 
Um, I know I've heard the name before, but he was obviously friends with him. He's a record producer, successful. He was talking with his wife, and I'm assuming they were in L.A. because she was referring to how crazy things were, and this was around the time the Manson stuff. Oh, how crazy it wasn't over in the yeah yeah in, in LA, LA. Sure. and and he's he at as they're talking about it he hears five shots fired because his window was open five gunshots yeah James Taylor James Taylor oh because he lives so close he lives oh. so close to the Dakota oh my and he gosh. said there was an archway somehow he described the building had an archway where you could. Um, you could there was a pass through to the courtyard in the front of the Dakota or something like that. Oh. And he said, Wow, he said, I think I just heard he goes, I bet a, a cop fired. He said, because that's usually the way he hears it goes down. They have one in the chamber and four no, one under the trigger and four in the chamber or whatever. And it was like a thirty eight, which is the same gun that a lot of the cops use. And he said, yeah. I had heard that's the way it goes down. And he said, Yeah, he said it's crazy out here too. He goes, I think the cops maybe just shot at somebody or shot somebody. They get off the phone. Fifteen minutes later, she calls him and says, "That was John Lennon." You just heard John. You just heard John Lennon. Oh my God! That that's nuts. That intense. Yeah. And he was just next door, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And after meeting, and then later to find out when you see who this guy is, it's like that's the dude. What if James Taylor would have said something wrong to this Mark guy? Oh yeah. On that subway. What if? What if he would have been not? pleasant and took in a little time or whatever and he just said dude get away from me well i don't i don't think anything would have happened right there because he was too what's the word he was too uh, meditative and planned about his whole i mean it wasn't like he was going to react and do something he was a uh i wish i could think of the term he was um, more of a cold-blooded thinking about this kind of thing so he might have went on his list yeah like james taylor's on my list now because he's he's meaning yeah The little people are telling me to get rid of, he's mean. Now he just made my list. But I I wouldn't think he would have been, and not that we're, you know, here we are on Outside the Mic, we are the news cycle analyst, but uh, (laughs) it's it's fascinating. These kind of things are fascinating. It is. And and there is something about, I think because it's the big no-no, you know, murdering, there's a fascination with how someone could go through the process of doing that. Yeah. As sick and twisted as it is, we, we as human beings, we just seem to have a fascination with knowing, wanting to know the details on how did this get to yeah. such a, an extreme. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I guess for me when I saw it and then they had, they had addressed it, they didn't give a lot of time and energy to it in the Life magazine, but they did talk about it. And I think it's always been in the back of my mind. It's like, what on earth would have caused somebody to do this why on earth and and it's yeah. so intriguing like some, i said it's so hard to wrap cross wires so. in the brain yeah it's, it's gotta be yeah so speaking of the music and transitioning on to that lighter side of it do you remember the song and and this was interesting for me because it was one of the first times as much as i had heard the beatles and i in high school i was kind of more into the metal stuff a little bit and so i remember checking out from the library the album that had revolution on it because that kind of had a heavy guitar uh, yeah and i liked that but i wasn't as much into the beatles but i really enjoyed and this song was released on the album that had just been released double fantasy and john lennon had just come out of his sort of five year seclusion raising his son oh being well, out of the scene and what was the album called it was called double fantasy have you ever heard the song watching the wheels 
I don't think so. Yeah, I'm going to play just a tiny bit so then we can get, you know, pegged again when we, when yeah. we put up a YouTube so video. YouTube but can scream at us. Okay. This was a, and, and this just gives you an indication of where he was at artistically. He was still cranking them out, and I always thought this was a really good song. So let's listen to a little bit of it here. This is great. So you never heard that song? No, that's crazy. Uh, and you can hear a little synthesizer in there. That's kind of weird. Well, yeah, early 80s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. That's just starting to emerge. He also had done a song, I think just prior to that, when he was not performing with Elton John. Mm. And he told Elton John, I will perform the song with you if it goes to number one. And it went to number one. Oh, and he was going to do her, huh? Yeah. And, and uh, now I'm not remembering what that was called. But I am going to look it up really quick here just so I can reference. Oh, it's called Whatever Gets You Through the Night. Have you ever heard that song? No, I don't think so. Can we play a little bit more? I'd love it. Let's, let's go just for here. it. I'll just shoot to the middle of that song and get through the ads here as quickly as I can. So um, I remember the song, but I didn't know it went to number one. So I thought that was pretty good. There we go. All right. All right. Catchy little tune, went to number one, and so he went and performed it. That now was that his... you played the chorus, I think I have heard that one before. Whatever yeah. gets you through the night. That's good. It's all right. That'd be a fun song to cover. That would be a it? good one to cover, yeah. yeah. So right. when he when he chose to hit it, he still, you know, obviously was still cranking it out and couldn't sure. do it. And uh, uh, that's I thought that was pretty funny, though. He's like, I'm not going to perform this unless it goes to number one. And of course it did. So uh, <laughs> I forget where they performed it. But uh, God bless John Lennon. Rest easy, Mr. Lennon. There we go. I still can't believe it's been 41 years. Obviously, you weren't even born. I'd love to be listening to your dubstep new music that you'd be playing right now. I would, too. We're going to do a, since we're not going to end up doing it because we didn't set up, I talked about doing Imagine because I always covered that song and you played it with me before. And I think we're going to have to do that on a Facebook Live. We should cover it on a week. We haven't done a Facebook Live in a couple of weeks. We haven't. So, we so we're going to have to do one this upcoming week. Ooh. All right, Outsiders, you heard it first. We've I guess got a that, Facebook that, yeah, Live that coming did. up. Yeah. We got it. Okay. Heard it first right here on episode four of season number three. That's right. The only season that matters. Not true. We've got uh, two other seasons <laughs> in the can. So yeah. if you are new to Outside the Mic, we uh, encourage you to, to take a listen to some of the historic files in the old chamber. You know, and it's fun to see that people still listen to those. I'll tell you what, Lavi and Rose is still our most listened to episode. Crazy, and isn't it? Yeah, I couldn't have gone to a better singer and story mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. So if you haven't, that's the that that's our biggest hit right now is Lavi and Rose. I think that was season two, was it? Yeah. Season one, maybe. Season two. Yeah. One I think, it, or was it season one? Jeez, well, it can only be now. season one or season two. So well, it couldn't have been season three. <laughs> and that has to do, we've discussed that it must have something to do with whatever's trending. Yep. Um, that's probably, I know there was a fairly recent documentary. For some reason, La Vie and Rose is coming up on It's coming up again. Lot, so, yeah. 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 And maybe that's yeah. it. You know, it's a heavily searched thing. It's showing mm-hmm. up. Anyway, so if you're looking for something to check out and you haven't checked out some of our previous episodes, La Vie and Rose is a great start. Um, and then of course, any, any other episode, we'd love for, love for you to check it out and become an outsider here on outside the mic on outside the mic. And don't get confused. Cause we might start titling our episodes, uh, 
with a title that has nothing to do with the content, but it's just something that trends. We're just going to find something that's trending. That's right. So although this is about John Lennon, it's called Cure for COVID-19. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And the Cure for COVID-19 is a good time. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, outsiders. Thank you, guys. You were listening to Outside the Mic, the podcast where we banter all matters music. Mostly we do. Make sure you check us out on all streaming podcast platforms. Subscribe, give us feedback, and check us out at www.outsidethemic.com. Later. Bye.